and welcome to episode number 133 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson, where we run down all the big news, all the big happenings, all the big bets in this crazy gambling industry of ours. We're going to talk about a pretty crazy story in the DFS industry. If you didn't hear about this one, get ready to be heartbroken for somebody out there. We're going to, of course, talk Thursday Night Football, as we always do, and we'll update you on any changes in the futures odds that are going on within the NFL after this, we've kind of started to shake out the kind of the real teams from the pretenders out there. And so we're going to, uh, we're going to take a look at that, but Brett, let's, uh, let's kick things off here with major league baseball. We have a world series champion. It is the Los Angeles Dodgers. They were favored coming into the season right there as a co-favorite with the Yankees, but uh, Dodgers pretty much the favorite throughout the course of the year a massive series favorite heading into this. The Rays did make it a little bit interesting. And of course, everybody is talking about Kevin Cash's decision last night to pull Blake Snell when he was absolutely mowing them down and it ended up costing them. Now, whether that means they would have won the game or not, that is debatable. But uh, where do you stand? First off, let's start out. Where do you stand on Cash pulling Snell? You, the 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 decision to replace Snell, I think, would have made sense if he had a bullpen that wasn't completely gassed. That was the one thing I was worried about coming into the series, and especially late in the series. But they, these relievers were pitching like every day with yeah. like no rest or recovery. Well, and here's the other thing about this, right? It's like everyone's talking about analytics, this analytics, that analytics, this analytics, that. And like, listen, you and I are analytics guys. Like we, if you've listened to our NFL podcast, we talk about advanced statistics. We talk about things like that, uh, success rates and yada, yada, yada. I mean, we're, we're all about analytics. However, in baseball, like you're talking about, sometimes you might have to forego what the analytics say if there's a, if there, especially if there's only such a slight edge in the case of Mookie Betts, where by the way, if you look at his career splits, Brett, yeah, he has actually hit right-handers better than he has hit left-handers. It's not like he is a lefty masher by any stretch of the imagination, and so sometimes you have to take the real-life scenario and you have to forego the analytics, just like you're talking about. One. You have to look with your own eyeballs and say, like, man, my guy has been really, really good tonight. And two, you have to take into consideration the fact that you have a taxed bullpen that the guy that you're putting in is not necessarily going to be what the analytics are telling you because he's already pitched so much that he's not that guy that the paper is telling you. There are variables that as a manager, you have to think about that the numbers, the data cannot tell you. Like you said, use your eyeballs. Look at what Nick Anderson, look what happened to Nick Anderson. This guy was untouchable during the regular season. And what happened is we got into the ALCS and the World Series. He completely melted because he was overused. That's, that's how the Rays play base, baseball. They get a, a lot of innings out of the relievers, and it worked really well. They won a lot of close games during the regular season. They got the number one seed. And as they played more games with no rest, no recovery, it caught up to them. And these relievers were all just dust. As we got into like the, the biggest moments of the season. So why, if you're paying $50 million to Blake Snell, why aren't you using him to close out a sixth inning? Yeah, it's, it's look, again, me, you, you and I are both analytics guys. And, and so this is not like we're, we're old school where we're kind of saying like, ah, oh, we don't care what the numbers say and blah, blah, blah. That's, that's, that's not the case at all. What we're saying is, is it is there to use as a tool but it should not be the end all be all 
for a baseball manager, especially when you take into consideration what has been going on with your team. And that's why, yes, I think the criticism that he is getting today is worth it because if you don't, if, if you don't have the wherewithal to understand like, man, this bullpen has thrown a ton of innings here and this guy out on the mound has really been plowing through these guys. And Oh, by the way, Mookie Betts has actually had a higher career batting average against, against righties than he has against lefties. It's not like he is, you know, the, 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 the lefty killer that we see with a lot of some, with a lot of these guys, a, Ro- a Rosarena like or whatever, but um I think that is on the manager. And I think that is something that we should call fault to. And I don't think that people are being unfair to him at all. I think it's total. I mean, I, I actually tweeted about it last night. That's how angry I was. I was like, what is, what is happening right now? Like, like how does this guy not see that his relievers are just completely gassed? They have been all series. So like, I, I, I'm just, I, I'm baffled. And not only as like a raise futures holder. I was just like, as a baseball guy, I was like, what, what is yeah. this guy doing? I, I don't understand what is happening right now. And Blake Snell, man, you can see it on his face. Like he's just like F F this team. Yeah. F the way we play baseball, F analytics, F everything, right? Like, let me have this, let me have this chance. I don't understand why they, they didn't give it to him. I'm just, I was just blown away by it. You, you and me both. And there's going to be people who defend this tooth and nail and, I saw, you know, a guy I have a lot of respect for, Joe Sheehan, who was sitting there saying, like, the way a guy's pitching is not predictive and whatever and all this. Like, just because he had a good four innings doesn't mean he's going to have a good fifth inning. Sure. Well, you're right. And that yeah. is it. But that could be said about anything. Yeah. So the same thing could be said about the analytics move. Like, just because you put in a righty versus righty, that does not mean anything, especially against a guy like Mookie Betts. Like, it's just... I think it's abs- I think it's pretty silly to just kind of be like, oh no, yeah, no, no, man, that's not how it works. Like it's if 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 a guy is rolling, you can talk to any professional athlete on the face of the planet, and this is where we're talking about. Sometimes it's it, analytics aren't the end all be all. There, you can talk to any pro athlete on the face of the planet, and when you're on, quote unquote, air quotes out there, when you're on. You're on and they they feel like they're on. They feel like they're doing good. And this happens in all sports, man. We see it in football. Quarterbacks go crazy. We see it in basketball. Guys can't miss from the field. We see it in golf. A dude can't miss a friggin' putt. Like we see it in every single sport. And so to say that it doesn't play out in baseball for a pitcher, we have seen the very best pitchers in the world have horrible starts. And they go out and they're like, yeah, I just didn't have my stuff tonight at all. Like I was just, I didn't have it. So to try and say that, yeah, it doesn't just care. It doesn't automatically carry over. Well, you're right. It doesn't automatically mean because he had a good four innings, he was going to have a good five innings or six innings or seven innings. But I'll tell you what, in that scenario last night, with the way that that bullpen had been, as much as that bullpen had been pitching, I am damn sure going to find out. Yeah. And look, this is how they played baseball all year. This is why they were successful, but very different circumstances here in game six with this bullpen. I, I just, I think replacing Snell would have been fine early in the postseason. But not last night, man. I, you could see it. I mean, you've seen it all series with their velocity and their control late in games. This, this bullpen isn't what it was in the regular season. It's just not. So that's why I think it was the wrong call at the time last night. So disappointing. We do have 2021 World Series odds, as you would expect. The Los Angeles Dodgers are, in fact, your favorites. Uh, four to one over at FanDuel. If you want the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Yankees plus 550, Braves plus 950, Padres 13 to 1, Rays 13 to 1, White Sox 14 to 1, Twins 16 to 1, Astros 17 to 1, and everybody else past that is 20 to 1 or longer. 
Brett, we don't even really know what the baseball season is going to look like right now. We don't know how many games they're going to play. We don't know if there's going to be fans, if there's not going to be fans, is there going to be bubbles again? Is there going to be so for me and uh, you know, we're obviously on here to try to recommend bets to people and, or at least highlight where we think there might be value, but I would not lock up any money right now in a baseball futures market for even if I thought there was like such an incredible edge on one of these teams, not knowing the scenario and not having any idea when the season's going to start, how it's going to play out, what the rules might be. You got to remember, like the rules could be different even with with everything. So uh, not going to get any of my futures money anytime soon. Yeah, we went into this and we went into this season and they just changed the rules on us and and like futures remained active. So like that's how that's how things can change uh, with, with these sports and, and like the rules that the betting uh, sports books have. I would agree with you. I even if you see value, I don't think it's really worth it. I mean, the overround right after these markets are like the, the overround on the markets right now for futures right after the season ends, people are looking to to bet for 2021 already. So the books are going to increase the rate. You're going to have to pay a a higher premium on these futures anyway. So I would wait and see what the season is going to look like because there's just so much uncertainty with everything right now. Um, Yeah, I don't honestly, I don't even see any value on this board right now. Yeah, me neither. And uh, I, and especially consider we have no idea, like, like, okay, is it going to be 80 games? It's going to be a hundred games, yeah. 120, like yeah. whatever. Are they going to start like, uh, you know, in a few months or they like, you know what, like what, what the hell is going to happen with all this? So yeah, don't, don't know. So not going to be getting any of my futures money at all. So we talk about DFS on the podcast. We don't do it a ton these days with sports betting being so incredibly uh, prominent now in the news and with everything that uh, is, is with expansion and all that. But Brett, this is a pretty noteworthy DFS story because it costs somebody and we're not talking a lot of money. We are talking life-changing amount of money on a stat correction. So I consider myself a a high risk tolerance type person. We've talked about this. You and I gamble a lot. We've had big DFS sweats with five figures, sometimes, sometimes six figures like within our grasp and they came up short. It happens, but these DFS showdown slates with one game are a different breed of gambling that I cannot wade <laughs> into because of exactly what happened on Monday Night Football between the Bears and the Rams. So what happened was a player on DraftKings, the, the username Robocles or Robocles or whatever, had a lineup that had Jared Goff, Cooper Cup, Gerald Everett, Josh Reynolds, and both defenses. Great lineup to own in a low-scoring game that saw both defensive score big in fantasy. Cup had touchdown passes to Everett and, and Reynolds. It was the nut lineup, really. Um, also great because he left a bunch of salary on the table, which we always talk about doing. I was he, was to the, say, like, he was the only person that had this lineup. I was about to say, like that is one of the things that makes this even more heartbreaking to yeah. me is because this guy went about it the right way. Like We talk about this, if you guys have paid attention, we would talk about DFS golf on here. We say one of the very best ways that you can ensure that you are going to have the best way to make your way to the top of the leaderboard is to leave a little bit of salary on the table, especially in DFS golf. For whatever reason, people always want to max out 
their salaries in DFS golf. And so if you leave just a little bit, even a little bit, a few hundred dollars, sometimes it can mean the difference in you having a completely unique lineup or being a duplicate with another, you know, 1500 people. But as Brett's talking about, this is a one game slate. There are only so many combinations that you can make. There are only so many different ways you can go about constructing a lineup. Yet this guy had a completely unique lineup. And for a hot second, his name said a million dollars next to it. Yeah, he left 6800 off uh, off his salary. So that that's one of the reasons why he was he had a unique lineup. But yeah, he but when the when the game ended, he was in first place in this contest, which is a million dollar top prize, and then it almost all of it vanished from a million dollars to I think it was 3000. That's the difference between first place and sixth place in these contests. And he found out that it was because of a stat correction on a Jared Goff sack that the bears had. They took away the, uh, the stat provider, I guess decided that Goff it was a run play. I, I told you, like, I, I thought it was like a coin flip, like sack or run. I, I don't know. I don't know what the right ruling is for that kind of thing, but the stack correction cost this guy $997,000 on DraftKings. And it is just, I mean, honestly, guys, like we, we talk about heartbreaking, but I mean, just think for a second, if you were sitting there and your account said that you had just won a million dollars, you go out, you're probably like getting drunk, you're buying booze, you're like Dude. getting, you're going nuts. And then you look back in your account a few, a few hours later to see that that million dollars was actually $3,000. Brett, I'll, I'll be honest with you, man. Like you said, we've, I've had some pretty big swings in my life. I've had some pretty big ups, some pretty big downs. I've had chances to win really big DFS contests or really big poker tournaments and stuff like that and, and have come up short. But I've never been there to only have it taken away. And I can only imagine it's one thing to be right there and then not win. But it's a completely different thing to be right there and win the damn thing. And then it'd be taken away from you. I would be walking out into traffic like I would be I would go down to the strip here in Vegas and I would just be the guy like walking into traffic. And that's why I don't play these top heavy contests where like the fear of a game ending with the current winning showing a million dollars and then dropping to thousands because of one tiny, really insignificant stat correction is terrifying. And look, $3,000 is a great day. Nothing to say that. Like you made it a is. great lineup. But man, the swings in these contests where literally every play changes what the leaderboard looks like. I don't know how people do it. It's fun. It's an, it's, an, it's an adrenaline rush, but... I don't know how people do it, man. I, I just, it's crazy. You and me both. I couldn't do it. Um, I don't do it. I, I never, I never play those slates and well, you know, maybe a lot of that has to do with the fact that I have to drive to California to enter contests right. or whatever. So I'm not going to do that on a Thursday, but um, I wouldn't anyway. Right. Like, so that's like another one of those things. Like I'm just not into to that. That's just not really my, my cup of tea, but boy, I, I feel for this guy and, Man, I hope at least DraftKings sends him like <laughs> something. Like, give him something. Make Some the guy swag. feel better. Cause whole, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Send him, send him a gift bag or something. Like, I mean, good Lord, that is the worst thing that I've seen in a hot minute. Like, no doubt about it. Uh, all right. So let's head over to the NFL. And um, 
we'll update you guys on kind of some of these futures that are going on out there. Now that we've kind of separated the contenders from the pretenders, if you're looking over here at FanDuel, Brett, the NFL championship, which is the Super Bowl winner, Kansas City Chiefs are favored four to one, Ravens five and a half to one, Bucks eight and a half to one, a team you and I had identified in the offseason is all the way to the third favorite here at eight and a half to one. The Steelers, another team we are very high on nine and a half to one. So two of these teams moving massively in the odds from where they were offseason. Now the top two of the top four teams, as far as betting odds go, you have the Seahawks at 10 to one Packers, 11 to one Saints, 13 Rams, 18 Titans, 21 Bills, 22 49ers, 28. That probably puts it to the end of where you would consider the like really good teams. And then you kind of have those fringe good teams in the Colts at 29 Cardinals at 33 Bears at 44. And I'm not even going to include the Browns in in this uh, discussion at all. So as you look at this is as you see this kind of shaken out now. Is there anything that you would, even though we wouldn't be getting as good odds on the Bucks or the Steelers that we would have in the offseason when we were kind of praising these teams for what they could be, do any of these odds even still tempt you a little bit? Not really, no. I, I'm looking at this board and I'm only, I can only identify, I think, maybe five teams that I, I really think can win the Super Bowl. I think the Chiefs are just that good. Um, the Ravens and the Steelers are going to, they're going to battle. and. I think both of them could win the Super Bowl this year, the way they're playing. I think the, the Buccaneers with that defense and Brady with his experience in, in big moments, I think they're a contender. And I think the Seahawks. So I think those are the five teams that I would consider like legitimate Super Bowl contenders. I'm not buying the Packers yet. I, maybe it's my preseason bias is still like in my head, but they just don't, they don't play any defense. I know the Seahawks don't either, but I just think the Seahawks are like the the best offense in the NFC right now, by far. So, I don't know. What do you think about the Saints? I think we have yet to see a full-strength Saints team. Okay. And which is why um, I do a show on MSG Plus called Primetime Action uh, every night for, for three hours. So, if you're, in the, if you're in the New York area or if you're in that area, if you want to t- tune in, um, I'm on there every night from 7 to 10 p.m. And we were kind of doing these, these, like, you know, who do we kind of have in our, in our tiers as far as, as good teams. And I actually had the saints in the third tier. And I was saying, this is the team that has the most ground to move up. But the problem is, is we have not seen a full strength saints team through six games. I mean, they're four and two, which says something about this team that they can go four and two and have not fielded a team yet. But um, until I see them at full strength and see what they can actually do, I uh, I still kind of have them outside on the outside looking in. And maybe that's unfair because, like I said, they've been getting it done regardless of the fact that they have not been full strength. But, um, you know, not being not being able to see that defense healthy, not being able to see Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders on the field at the same time is, uh, you know, pretty big to me. And so it's kind of hard for me to know what we what we truly have in this squad. Do you have the Chiefs in a tier by themselves? I have the well, so that I, I just I basically just made like a, a true contenders tier then kind of like a, okay, these dudes could move into that tier, but they're not there. I didn't actually, um, you know, power rank like one to five or one to seven or whatever it was like that. I just kind of like put them in a grouping, but the chiefs are definitely still in my opinion, 
the best team in the NFL and maybe not even a that's uh, maybe that's a little unfair to say, but maybe there's not even a close second. Yeah, they're just built to win it all. I mean, they're not great on defense, but they they rush the passer. They get pressure. They're good enough on defense. And it doesn't like it doesn't matter because you have Mahomes. I, I, I think the only they're, they're way they like can, what I love is what we you and I were talking about just on uh on, on this on, on Slack like, off air, but we we're just like they're they're able to morph into whatever team they need to be. So yep. like if if the defense is if their weakness is a run is their run defense, they can morph into a running team and they can beat you that way. And then if the other team is their if their opponent has a weakness in the secondary, they obviously can pass as Patrick Mahomes and all those weapons. So they turn into a passing team. If team doesn't really have all that big of a weakness, they can balance you to death. I mean, they can they can give Clyde his touches. They can pass. They can do whatever. It's like the way that they can become whatever your worst enemy is, is really what makes them kind of stand out to me. Yeah. And you look at these, at these contenders in the AFC, the Ravens who they already shredded and the Steelers are kind of built the same way, like blitzing teams that they beat teams by getting pressure on the quarterback. Like you can't do that against the chiefs because Mahomes is just going to pick you apart. Like you can't blitz. He's, he's got the weapons to just destroy you. So I, I don't I, well first of all I'm really looking forward to this Raven Steelers game. I think that's the game of the year so far. I I for me just because of the it's the division battle. I know we already saw Chiefs Ravens, but I'm I'm lo- I'm looking forward to this Raven Steelers game more than any other game so far this year. I can't wait for it. But even still like the winner out of that game I don't think they match the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are in a class of their own. Even but even still at plus 400 I don't even like that price just because it's 2020. And we're in a pandemic and I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the year. So I don't know. I can't even buy the Chiefs at plus 400, even though I think they're in a class of their own. The uh, defense has moved up to 13th overall DVOA. And here's the thing about that. So they're 13th overall DVOA. But in today's NFL, they're 31st against the run DVOA, Mm -hmm. but they're fifth against the pass DVOA and in today's passing NFL, if I had to choose to be either bad against the run or bad against the pass, I am always going to be bad against the run as opposed to bad against the pass. That is why they are the reigning Super Bowl champions. And that is why they are the favorites to win again this year. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, if you want to be really good at something and really bad at the other, they went about it the right way. <laughs> like, like be yeah. really good against the pass. If you want to be really bad against the run, that's fine. But if a team's going to run you to death, they will eventually not make a first down. They will eventually get stalled and Patrick Mahomes will just outscore you. Yep. You know, that's the so for 2020. Yeah. So it's like, OK, be bad against the run. Not that big of a concern. Not that big of a deal. I think one of the other things that's fairly interesting when we uh, when we when we take a look at this stuff is the shift in the MVP odds. And I'm actually kind of crazy. I, I think it's kind of crazy, Brett. I mean, Russell Wilson's even money on FanDuel to win the NF to win the MVP. I mean, if you were watching that game against the Cardinals, Russell Wilson threw two of the worst picks. I think I maybe have ever seen him throw in my yeah. entire lifetime. And like, I understand the counting stats are always going to be really good with him because the defense sucks. And so they're always going to be throwing the ball and, and, and having to keep this, this newfound, you know, offense and pace and everything that they're doing because they don't they can't afford to play like they used to play because the defense gives us so many points and yards and everything. But 
I don't know, bro. Like uh, even money on Russell Wilson seems a little nutty to me. I mean, when you expect, especially when you look at like how, I mean, how good has Mahomes been playing? How good has Aaron Rodgers been playing? How good has Tom Brady been playing? Hell, even if Kyler Murray and the Cardinals make a run at the at the playoffs or even a run at that division somehow or whatever. I mean, like I, I think that this is far from over and basically an even money bet on Russell Wilson is them saying that it's all but over. And I just can't, I can't buy that. You don't even see Mike Trout even money like late. Yeah. In a baseball season, he's the best player in the world. Russell Wilson's not even the best player in the world. And he's even money. This is, has yeah. to be the worst price on of any of any like futures any, bet you can make right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, seriously. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, there are so many dudes still in this. I mean, like, like we just mentioned, Mahomes, Rogers, Brady, Murray. I mean, Lamar Jackson, if they just go on a, a tear to end yeah. the season, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, the Steelers team is undefeated. I mean, what if they go and they win and they end up undefeated? Like there's so many guys that are so, that are drawing so live at this to think that you would lay even money on Russell Wilson is nutty. It's also pro football. And like, if he misses two or three weeks, he's out. That's right. it. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for me, yeah, no way. Yeah. As I say for me, absolutely no way in the world. So that is, uh, that is just not going to happen. Um, the other, (laughs) the other interesting prop that is still available out there. Will the jets go? Oh, and 16 Brett, it is plus two ninety that they go. Oh, and 16. I kind of think they're going to go 0 and 16, wow. but I wouldn't, but I don't know if that price is good enough for me. You don't think they're going to win this week? <laughs> I do not. Right, I do fair. not. Um, and if you look at their schedule, there is a very, very good chance that they, so the one it's win, tough. the one win that I was targeting for them was I was thinking maybe that November 29th game against the Dolphins, that might have been the debut of Tua. And I'm like, okay, now if you get a rookie quarterback on his first start, you know, anything could happen. You know, it could get crazy. But we know that's not going to be the case. Tua is going to have three games under his belt by the time they play on November the 29th. So that is not going to be the case for the for the Jets at all. So it's... uh I don't know, man. I mean, they're not beating the Chiefs. They're probably not beating the Chargers or the Raiders or the Seahawks or the Rams or the Browns. It comes down to those two Patriots games. And yeah. are the Patriots are the Patriots as bad as they have looked the last couple of weeks out? And if they are, then maybe the Jets have a fighting chance. But outside of that, I mean, they're going to be at least touchdown dogs in every game. I mean, they'll probably be a touchdown dog to even the Dolphins or at least maybe six points. Yeah, it might. Yeah, it might be short of a touchdown. I think that week 17 game is, is their best chance. It's pro. I mean, are the Patriots going to play Cam Newton that game? What? I mean, I don't know. They might be tanking by then. Right. They might just be trying to lose that game on. I don't. Yeah. I, I own 16. I, it's certainly, it's obviously possible, but I do think they'll get one here somewhere between the Patriots, Dolphins, maybe that can they beat Justin Herbert at football? I guess it depends on which Justin Herbert you get. But I guess that's one they could get to. I'll tell you a bet if you do want to make. And Brad, I if I have if I had access to FanDuel, team with the worst record in the NFL, the Jets are only minus one ninety. Ooh, yeah, the Jets are only minus one ninety to have the worst record in football. We are literally sitting here debating on whether they're going to get one win, and that would have to come in week seventeen. Yeah, and you're getting minus one ninety on them to have the worst record 
in the NFL. So just uh, pointing that out, if you have access to FanDuel Sportsbook, that is available for you. Minus 190 Jets to have the worst record in the NFL. I would be betting that a lot. Jags plus 380, Giants plus 850. I would have bet I I would have bet the Giants before the season, but um yeah, they've already got they already got their win, right? So Yeah. That's <laughs> I know. Minus 190 actually does feel like value. I know, it's a good bet. I think it's a good bet. I, I really do. It's crazy to say whenever we say that. Uh all right, so Thursday night football this week is the Atlanta Falcons uh, uh, visiting the Carolina Panthers. As we sit right now, Panthers, two and a half point favorites. Falcons, plus two and a half with a little bit of juice. If you want to bet the money line, minus 126 on the Panthers, plus 108 on the Falcons, a total of 51 and a half. This is nothing new, Brett. We, this is the new normal. The new normal is for totals to be in the 50s, not for totals to be in the 40s. So the, we're actually just in the kind of the new normal phase of the NFL. And of course, with, a, with an offense like the Falcons, you're going to see these games and as well as a defense like the Falcons, you're going to see these games in the 50s here. So, look, the, the Carolina Panthers have been an interesting team. I mean, week in and week out, you can find things you like about them. You can find things you hate about them. Christian McCaffrey did return to practice this week, though it has been deemed that he would be a long shot to play. Um, he is still on injured reserve, so they would have to take him off of IR which of course if they do that, then they can't have another play. If he's not, if he's not going to play, there's no reason for them to take him off of IR because then they would have to, you know, not have a player on the sideline that they would that they would be able to use. So it doesn't look like Christian McCaffrey is going to be out there. But you look at this team, they get, you know, a close loss to the Raiders, then they get drubbed by the Bucks. But I think the Bucks are one of the best teams in the league. So I'm not worried about that. Three straight wins, Chargers, Cardinals, Falcons. Now they've come back to Earth with two straight losses, but against at least at least a good defense in the Bears, definitely not a good offense, and then a pretty balanced team in the Saints. So I don't know, what do you think of the three and four Panthers, and do you really are you really knocking them for the back-to-back losses against the Bears and Saints? Not really, no. And I think looking at this matchup, it's fair to say, looking at the metrics, the Panthers are the better football team, or at least have been through the first seven weeks, and the market agrees with this number if we're capping home field at like a, what, a point point and a half right. maybe I mean however you want to see it the surprise has really been with the defense we know this team has playmakers on the offensive side of the ball but some of these defenders have really stepped up and while you know this defense still ranks in the bottom third in the league in defense DVOA they're not nearly as bad as we thought they were going to be coming into the season and especially after that week one debacle against Las Vegas they've got one of the bright young pass rushers in the NFL Brian Burns who's been a difference maker in that defense. He's giving them somebody who can get to the quarterback and, you know, force three and outs, get sacks. So that's, that's been big for them. So I, I, I kind of like this Panthers team and I think they've been really well coached as well. And I mean, offensively, especially. So I think this number is probably a little short of where it should be. If we look right now, football outsiders has Carolina as the number 10 overall offense DVOA they've been great in the in the entire NFL and so if you take a look at that and you say oh I guess I didn't really realize that and it's like yeah that's the case and as as much as we talk about this you know the all the weapons that Atlanta has and they do don't get me wrong 23rd in DVOA offense overall and so they just are not in a not a very efficient 
offense. And so you can have Julio Jones, you can have Calvin Ridley, you can have all these playmakers and you can have your Todd Gurley's and whatever. But if you're not efficient with the way that you're moving the ball and play calling and all the different things like that, then, you know, it's just, it's hard to win. It's hard to win football games. And so, yeah, I think that people maybe, maybe look at these teams as, as, as pretty even when, if you, if you break it down, at least offensively, they're, they're not really all that even, you no, know, um, I think they're, they're really like Carolina is actually a much better offense. Yeah. Then just look at net yards per play. They're quite a bit better than the Falcons as a, as a football team. So I would certainly, I mean, the problem here is it's, it's two of the more unpredictable teams every week that we're looking at here. So it makes yeah. for a difficult capping process. Like, I don't know what the Falcons are going to look like on Thursday night football when they are the most inconsistent, but I guess consistent because they just blow it every single week teams in the NFL right now. And they have the firepower on offense. The problem is they just haven't had any consistency with Julio hobbled and then playing and then, you know, not playing and they've had injuries all over that offense. So that I think that has a lot to do with it, but Matt Ryan also hasn't looked good this year either. He really hasn't. And I think whenever I take a look at this, I mean, if, if, the two defenses are are mediocre at best, right? Like I, I guess that would be fair for us to say the two the two defenses are mediocre at best. Um, you know, then I kind of lean towards a better offense, and most people's like, oh, well, then that's the Falcons, but mm, no. but that's but that's not the case, right? I mean, like that's that's not the case, and not what we're looking at. And if you look at the Falcons, not only are they bad at defense, but here's the thing. Is they're really bad, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier. Was with with the Chiefs. It's on. They're on the bad side of what to be bad at in the today's NFL. They're actually pretty decent against the run, but they are thirty first. By the way, there's only thirty two teams in the NFL. They are thirty first in pass coverage DVOA, and and like that is the bad side of being bad at defense. Like if you can if you can at least be okay against the pass and bad against the run, you can make it in today's NFL. And one of the things we saw with Carolina last week, Brett, that I think lends itself to going that direction is the fact that, that Teddy let it rip last week, you know, and like some of these guys are really starting. He's starting to be able to uh, utilize all of those weapons there as well. And they're kind of getting, they're not going overboard with the whole Curtis Samuel thing, but like getting him in the mix with getting some carries to kind of get him in space and try to utilize all of his quick twitch and how fast he is and, and things like that. Like, I don't know. I think there's a lot to like about this team. I think this Carolina team is only going to continue to get better and better each week. We are talking about a rookie NFL head coach, a rookie NFL offensive coordinator. So they're learning as they go as well. So I, you would, you would only think the more experienced, the more games they get under their belt, that the better off they would be. What do we think about the total here? This opened at 51, dropped to 49 with the reports of uh, major potential weather threats and winds of like 20 plus miles per hour. Those fears have died down a bit. So now we're seeing the total uh, climb back to probably where it should be with these two offenses and bad defenses, right? So we're at 51 and a half. Did we miss our window to get a, a, a number in the 40s, which is so rare these days? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's probably the case. Like, had we been paying attention you hit the 49 on the, on the over there because both of these teams should should be able to put the ball in the end zone. Um, but like you mentioned, it's with, uh, with that being gone, you and I are both, and it's probably not the right mindset in the grand scheme of things. You and I are both in the same mindset where we're like, 
it's tough to make a bet when you know you've missed it by two and a half points. Mm-hmm. But like if it's still a low number, right? I mean, if it's still a low total, then we shouldn't be afraid to pull the trigger. But I I'm as guilty of it as anyone. And, you know, I probably won't actually hear do it either. Yeah. I mean, you're you're trying to get any edge possible, right? Even if it's a tiny little edge, you still bet it. Yeah. You don't sulk in, in the fact that you missed out on two points when it might not even matter. I mean, both of these teams, both of these defenses are allowing red zone touchdowns. So Carolina, 65% of the time, the teams get in the red zone. So two out of every three times they get a touchdown. Falcons, 73% of the time. Teams get in the red zone, they score a touchdown. So it's like they're these defenses are not holding other teams to field goals either. You know, like they're 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 letting them score touchdowns yeah. as well. Yeah. So I think for me, I think if you guys didn't kind of read between the lines, if Brett and I were betting this game, we both have a lean towards the Panthers, and I think we both have a lean towards the over as well. I'm not misspeaking, am I, with you on that? No. Yeah, I, I think that that's the way that I would be. Yeah. That I would be looking at that for sure. And, you know, once the player props get listed, uh, guys, I'll do a video for, on the YouTube channel and I'll run through the player props as well. So be sure and pay attention over there. There might be something interesting for us to uh, for us to get involved with, because you actually think, you actually can bet McCaffrey props right now. Touchdown props on FanDuel. So oh, I yeah. would not advise that, but they are there. No, actually, actually, that might mean that 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 it's is it does that mean it's discounted on Mike Davis? Because if that's the case, then it maybe there's a maybe there's an edge there. Could be. So, take yeah, a take a, yeah, take a look at that, guys, whenever you're whenever you're uh, over messing around on FanDuel, because if they're listing McCaffrey, like I said, it is listed that he has a long shot to play. So if that's the case, then Mike Davis props might actually be discounted. So maybe you can run in and get in on those things before you, uh, uh, before they're all gone. They're both really. minus, they're both minus 175. Oh, to score a so touchdown. they're playing so that they're card on that. us. Yeah, they're doing that's that. dirty. Yeah, I don't love that. No, that's dirty. Okay, never mind. We're not recommending any of that then. <laughs> like, they're not giving you any discount on either guy. So, no, never mind. That is, uh, we're not, we're not recommending that then. Kind of had to know that there. Oh, that is, that's horrible. If you want to follow Brett on Twitter at Brett Colson, if you want to follow me on Twitter at Matt Brown M2, I mentioned our YouTube channel that is just backslash play picks that is over there. So be sure and check that YouTube channel out. Give us a subscribe as well. Been doing fairly well on these Island games. At the very least, we're winning these prop bets that we're putting in. Uh, some of the sides and totals I'm not real thrilled about, but I at least give a a lean or a preference one way or the other, but a lot of these uh, Island games, by the time we get to them, the number has been beaten up pretty heavily, but these props are still able to, to be gotten. So uh, be sure and check that out. And we do appreciate you guys subscribing to this podcast as well. And giving us a rating and review would also help. The lines.com has now an odds feed. You want to take advantage of it. Just go to the top, click on the NFL. You're going to get the odds page and you can compare odds in your state without having to click between 10 different websites. And it is such an incredibly handy tool. So be sure and take advantage of that. And while you're there, if you don't have multiple accounts, you should always get the best line, always get the best juice, always, always, always search between the different places because you are going to be able to find better numbers and you're going to be able to make more money in the long term. So uh, be sure and do that as well. Click on your state, very best sign-up offers, match bets, deposit bonuses, free money at some places, even stuff like that. So uh, we got that for you as well. For Brett, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys on Friday. <laughs>